So, unbelievably, next Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday. We're there already. It seems to have come around rather quickly, as these things so often do. Which means that this week is the, the final part of, um, of the series that we've been working through recently called The Bank of Heaven. And the title of this week's sermon is The Elephant in the Room. Because we've been talking a lot about money, and you can't say I didn't warn you, right at the start of the series I said we're going to have one on this, it's going to happen, and so, so don't come and say you didn't tell us Tom, we didn't know, we've been building up to this, but eventually in any series about money, we have to do it, don't we? It'd be wrong not to. I mean, Jesus does it. Old Testament, New Testament, eventually. I've got to talk about that word. The elephant in the room. Tithing. Yeah. But you see, tithing is one of these things that we don't talk about enough. We don't talk about it. And yet tithing is, is an opportunity. Tithing is an opportunity for us to demonstrate in a very simple way our devotion to God. But we, we live in a culture where we don't talk about, about money about personal money. We're happy to talk about, about corporate money or about government money or something like that. But, but personal, personal money, it's a bit close to home. We don't talk about that. But God does. And so I'd be doing the church a disservice if I was to have a, service, a, a sermon series on, on, called The Bank of Heaven and talk about money from all different angles and not talk about the elephant in the room. So that's what we're going to do today. If you're a visitor to the church, please, please, please don't sit there thinking, I knew it. Typical church, they want your money. This church has not, I've been here for just over a year, and in all that time we have never, ever talked about tithing. I'm reliably informed that it's been, uh, some people have been here for 10 years and say they can't recall um, ever having teaching on tithing. Okay, so, so if, you're, if you're new to the church, then, then I, I do apologise that you've come in for a sermon on tithing, but... But I can assure you that this is not something we do every week. We're not here to rinse everyone dry. But it's an important part of Christian teaching. So with that in mind, some people might be sitting there thinking, I've never heard that word before. Or some people might be sitting there thinking, well, I've heard the word, but I don't really know what it is. So let's just deal with that first of all. What is a tithe? The word tithe is a Hebrew word which means one-tenth of your income. That's, that's, that is 10%, we'd say today. That's what tithe means. The Bible talks about tithing. In the Old Testament, there are three tithes mentioned. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to learn a bit about tithing, and then we're going to reflect on what we as a church look like in that light it's going to be a sermon which might be uncomfortable, it might not. But hopefully it's going to be a sermon which leaves us in no doubt about what we need to do individually and as a church in order to fulfill what God has asked us to do, to honour him. But as we'll see, as we give, so we receive. Giving often leads to blessing. We see that so often in scripture, but we can see it so often in personal testimony as well. And so giving is not something we should shy away from, it's something that we should welcome. 
It's something we should say, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm prepared to be sacrificial because I know, I know that you're in this. I know that this pleases you. And I know that you love to bless your people. So there are three tithes mentioned in the Old Testament. The first tithe we find in Numbers chapter 18. We're going to look at two verses. The first one is verse 21, where God, God says to Moses, I give to the Levites, the Levites were the, the priests, the Levitical priests, the only people who were allowed to work in the temple. Anybody else who, who went into the temple, they were, they were ceremonially unclean. So the priests, the Levites, were the only ones allowed in the temple. And they, the temple took up all their time. They didn't have other jobs. So that's why this is put in place. God says, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. So the people of Israel had to give a tithe to God's house. One tenth of their, of their income. They give it to God's house. And originally that was used to sustain the Levitical priests because they had no other form of income. This is reiterated by God as he continues talking to Moses in verse 24. He says, I give to the Levites as their inheritance the tithes that the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord. So that, was, that, that just reiterates what it was there for. This was a tithe given by, given by people, one-tenth of their income, to, um, to God's house so that the priests were sustained. They had an income because they had it from nowhere else. But I want to be absolutely clear here. It wasn't a case of the, the priests did one, one day a week's work. I often hear that, that joke. It's so funny, you know. Oh, yeah. Sunday evening, got the rest of the week off. Yeah, great. Although I used to say it, so, you know. Um, shoes on the other foot now. But there's a responsibility on the Levites. It's not just give, give, give. Um, the Levites are told by God in verse 26, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. So I just want to be completely upfront here. I tithe. I wouldn't normally share personal financial information, but it feels right to do that today. I tithe, and the reason I do that is because I believe it's biblical. So I believe in leading by example. I just want to let you know that I'm doing that. And I also want to let you know that um, I don't have access to the church bank account. I don't see who gives what. That's none of my business. I wouldn't wish to. So this, this is not coming from a place of, well, I know I've got the dirt on you. Nothing like that. But I want you to know that um, as a minister, I'm, um, I'm practicing what I preach when it, comes, when it comes to money. So the Levites, the priests, received the tithe, and then they were called to give back and tithe back to the temple. So basically everybody, all of God's people, without fail, from the high priest down to, down to the pauper, they were asked by God, they were instructed, commanded by God, to give a tenth of their income, everybody. So that was the first tithe. That was the, the tithe for the Levites. The second tithe we come across in Deuteronomy. And this is called the tithe of the feasts. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 
starting at verse 22, we read these words. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. So, again, you might think, well, second tithe, that's a bit much. But actually, God had commanded the Israelites that on feast, when they had feasts, their feast days, these annual festivals, they weren't to be quietly celebrated at home behind closed doors. This was a coming together of God's people. This was a big event. And so they would go to, um, to the temple. They would go to, to Jerusalem often, and they would take with them everything they, they had to, to feast on. And they would share together. And it must have been a, a fantastic spectacle of sharing and feasting and celebrating and worshipping God because they were there for God's name. But interestingly, um, this passage goes on and um, there, there's, there's a recognition. It's a wonderfully practical recognition from God. He says, I'm, using, I'm paraphrasing slightly here, but he says, if you find that traveling to the temple is going to be too costly, take some of that tithe and sell it and use the silver to pay to get you and your family to the temple. And when you get there, use the rest of what's left over from that tithe to feast on. So actually, there's, there's provision. God says, I want you to do this. I want you to put this time aside to, in these feasts to honor me and to, um, to worship me. I, I, want, I want that relationship with you, but I recognize it's going to be costly. So I'm telling you to put aside this, this provision, and if you need, if you need to, to cash in on it, then by all means do. The important thing is that you get to the feast, you get to the temple, you join the assembly of, of my people. So that's the tithe of feasts. The third tithe that we come to is the tithe for the poor. Again in Deuteronomy chapter 14, starting at verse 28, we read, at the end of every three years, Bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns. So once every three years, bring one-tenth of one year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, the priests, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners and the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you all in the work of your hands. So once every three years, you would take one-tenth of, of, an, of annual produce and you'd store it up so that if anybody came to your town who, who had need, who, if, um, who, who were desperate, who for some reason couldn't provide for themselves, then you had a, a a, a, a food bank, if you like. This is almost an Old Testament food bank to give them, to support them, to provide for them. So three tithes, it sounds like an awful lot. It sounds like a, a massive demand. But actually, if we put this into modern language, we've got, 
one tithe for the house of God. This is a demonstration of, of our obedience to God. It's a demonstration of, of our, our commitment to him. It's not a tithe where we say, well, hang on a second, um, what, am I, what am I getting for that? Am I going to see an extension on the church? Am I going to see um, new staff? Am I going to see outreach? You know, what's, what's the benefit of this? What's the point of it? It's not that. God says the point of it is, I've given you 100% of what you've got. Everything you have comes from me. I'm just asking you to give a little bit back because I want to know that your heart is right. So that's the first one. The second one, God wants us to be hospitable, to share together, to enjoy spending time with one another. But of course that carries an expense. So the second tithe in, in this day and age is kind of a tithe for, for hospitality and events. I would really, really like to go to Sizewell next time we go, or, or I'd like to go to a Christian event. Well, you'd start putting money aside so that it's not suddenly the month before one massive great expense that you have to face and think, oh, I can't afford to go because I've not, I've not prepared for it. And then the third tithe for charitable giving, the appeals, the the atrocities that happen in the world and we want to give, well, God says, yeah, do it. Definitely do it. Put, put money aside so that you can do it. Prepare for these things because, because as, as my people, I want you to be able to respond to these, these needs. But what I've heard, not in this church, I have to say, but I have heard it from many different people over the years, is... Um, I only give, I give 3% to the church because the other 7% I give to Christian charities. Or, or the other one which sometimes creeps in. Tithing's very Old Testament, we don't need to. Now with that one I actually say, okay, okay, fair enough, it's not, not my personal belief, it's not my theology, but okay. So what you're saying is um, God asked for 10%, he asked for a tithe in the Old Testament you're saying that Jesus eradicated that. Great, brilliant. Because what that must mean, surely, the only logical conclusion we can draw from that is that in, in, a, in a, 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 a post-resurrection, post-Holy um, um, Spirit world, Pentecostal world, that's what I was looking for, sorry. Um, okay, so we've got the gift of the Holy Spirit, we've had the gift of Jesus, we've seen the, um, the, the, the resurrected Christ, we've got all this good stuff, the Holy Spirit is in us and around us, we see the blessings of God all around us every day. So what you're saying to me, you don't follow tithing, you don't believe in tithing, because that's not enough. That's not enough. Because God is so good, how can he only deserve 10%? So if you don't, if you don't believe in, in tithing, you say that's very Old Testament, what you're saying is that in light of Jesus, you cannot bring yourself to only give 10%. But what I've noticed um, is that quite often that's used to justify someone giving a lot less than, than a tithe. And for me, that reflects a very poor heart in light of what Jesus has done. As I say, I'm not here to guilt trip. This is scripture. And if I don't teach scripture, then I'm doing a disservice to the church. No one likes talking about money, myself included. But the reality is that God does. And the reality is that there are some bits of Scripture that we love talking about and there are others that we don't. But all Scripture is God-breathed. 
And God loves us. And God wants us to live lives that follow his word. Because there's a risk. God knows this. There's, there's a risk if we, don't, if we don't do this. When we jump forward to, to Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3, we, we see a situation where, where the Israelites have allowed distance to grow between them and God. And the reason for that is because they've been dishonoring him. Rather than taking the, the firstborn of their herd, they've been offering the blind and the sick, the lame, the ones that they don't really want. They've been, they've been abusing, they've not been honoring God with their lives. They've been trying to do it their own way. And they, they come back and in Malachi chapter 3, they say to, Lord, to, to the Lord, how are we to return to you? What have we got to do? And God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. That's how God feels when, when we don't honor him. That's how God feels when, when we, we sort of hold back and hold back and think, oh, I don't... I, I, I don't need to give that much. I don't, I don't really need to. God says, you're robbing me. How am I supposed to feel? The people say, well, how are we robbing you? How? And his response is absolutely clear. In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So God challenges the people. He says, he says look, stop robbing me. Give what I've asked for. Give back to me some of what I've given to you. But I'm not going to take it and ignore I'm going to take it because I want to I bless you. I want to throw open the floodgates of heaven. What a wonderful phrase. I want to pour out blessings on you. We see that happening in Scripture. We see people giving to God and then receiving blessings. I've heard so many personal testimonies. I've had it myself where I've, I've given a gift and it's meant I've had to miss out on something. And it's, I know it's the right thing to do, so I'll do it. But suddenly, days later or weeks later, you suddenly receive something. You receive a blessing. You receive a blessing. It may be financial or it might be in some other form. But you suddenly receive a blessing that you didn't see coming and it takes you by surprise. And I've noticed a pattern in myself, my own life, and I've noticed it in the testimony of others. There is a pattern that when they're sacrificial, when they give, they're blessed. Now, this is not prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if you go and give generously, then you can stand there and say, come on, Lord, bring it on. I'll have a Ferrari, I'll have the mansion. Come on. It doesn't work like that. But God does bless us when we bless him. When, we are, when we're obedient to him, God blesses us. But the harsh, uncomfortable reality 
standing here in 2023, is that at the moment, as a church, we're in a situation of robbing God. Not all of us. As I say, I don't have, I'm not privy to the accounts. I wouldn't want to be. And so I can stand here, and this is a corporate message to us all as a church. If you're not a regular attender of this church, if you've just dropped in, or if you're on holiday or something like that, then I'm not talking to you in this particular point. But we had a church meeting this week, and um, the treasurer gave a a presentation. And I'm just going to share a couple of slides, um, because it's important for us to know the reality of where we are as a church. So, the first slide we have, this shows our current state. In April 2022, going back one year, um, our available funds was around about £125,000. Sounds pretty healthy, big figure. Over the past year, with increased heating bills and cost of living and other expenses as well, um, the budget that we had last year, so the, the income set against expenditure, um, the income was way down on our expenditure, which meant that we had to eat into our savings, our reserves, um, and so now we have around 90,000 left in April 23. The budget that we currently have set for the next 12 months, based upon current giving and the current financial situation, um, means that between now and April 2024, um, we're going to be going down from 90,000 um, reserves down to about 60. Um, we've got a £35,000 deficit in our budget, which means we're going to, if we were a business, we'd say we're going to make a loss of that much. By April 25, on the current forecast, that would have dropped to around £25,000 in the bank, and by April 26, well, you can see without me having to put words to the situation. But the good news is, we can do something about this. We have a God who loves to bless. And we've looked at already the relationship between, between giving and blessing. And that is the stark reality, because I believe in being totally transparent. I don't know if many churches would put up their, their, their financial information in a public service, but, but I want to be transparent. Because God's transparent. We need to know. We need to know where we stand because some people won't be aware. So if we can have the next slide. At the moment, 75 families give via direct debit. Um, 50% of the income comes from 12 families. That's not a particularly healthy position to be in because if one of those families was to, to move away for work or something like that, then, then you, can, you can see it's going to make a big difference. Um, the other 50% of giving comes from 63 families giving an average of £75 a week, and half of those give £50, or, sorry, £75 a month. Half of those give £50 a month or less. Now, this is not a witch hunt. This is not a witch hunt. This is simply me saying to you that, that as a Baptist church, we don't have a central organisation that plug, plug money down to us. In fact, it's the opposite way round. We, 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 we pay an annual fee to the Baptist Union. The only income that we get, reliable, stable, regular income, is from us, you and me, our giving. And so, 
I love the fact we've got a church who, who, who is so passionate about evangelism and mission and want to be reaching out and doing things in the community, but all this stuff costs money. And the fact is that at the moment, we haven't got any. But we can change that if we're obedient to God's word. If we follow the biblical precedent, then those figures are going to look a lot, lot, lot healthier in a very short space of time. They really are. They really are. So I just ask you to consider that. Some of you might be sitting there thinking, in my state, I just can't. Well, start small. Start small and build up. Pray it through. Because with God, anything is possible. We know that. We believe that. That's just as true for our money as it is for any other aspect of our life. I need to pause here. If we can just move on to the next slide. Being a minister is a massive, massive privilege, and it's something that I hold really, really dear. And um, I've been at this church now for 15 months, and I've loved every minute of it. Um, <clears throat> but I need, to, I need to make a confession here before my church, before my God. Because as a minister... I've got a responsibility to make sure that on a regular basis we do certain things. And one of those things which I've neglected, I've really neglected this, and I ask for your forgiveness. Um, ever since I've been here, we have not, on a weekly basis, I have not stood here and given thanks to God and thanks to you for the money that we do have coming in. not done it that's really poor might have happened occasionally but it's not been a regular part of the way that I've set services up I apologise for that and I'm so grateful for <clears throat> I'm really oh, sorry I am so grateful for what is given to this church I'm so grateful for the heart that you've got to serve the community, to get out there and do things. And I take responsibility for that. And so right here, right now in the sermon, I just want to pause. I just want to pause and put that right with God. So we're just going to pray. Father God, this is a, a hard message to preach. But Lord, I begin by pointing the finger at myself. Father, I pray for your forgiveness for all the times that I've failed to give thanks to you for the kindness and the generosity of my church. Father, I thank you for the privilege of leading this church. It's something that I hold so dear. And I pray, Lord, that in my failings, you will be glorified. I pray, Lord, that in this moment now, this can be a line in the sand 
a lesson learned. That going forward, we will always be thankful for what has been given, for what has been done, for the blessings that you've poured out upon us, for the personal sacrifices that have been made by the people of this church. Father God, I pray for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's uh, move on to the next slide, which is... Now, I appreciate that so far this morning, I hope you haven't, but there's a possibility that you might have felt a bit got at, a bit beaten up. But it's okay, because this is the good news, okay? This is, the, this is where we, we've gone down to the bottom, we've been at a frank look in the mirror, and now we've given ourselves a little pep talk, and this is the launch pad. This is where things start to get better, okay? The good news is that we have a God who never gives up on us, never leaves us, and never forsakes us. A God who loves for us, and is just waiting for us to come back to him. So let's use this as an opportunity. Firstly, it's never too late to start tithing. It's never too late to, 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 go, to come, come to God and say, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to give to you. It's never too late to do that. There are many different options. Um, our, our treasurer um, is away this weekend, but Steve Genders, lovely guy. If you haven't spoken to him before, he's a, he's a cracking bloke, very approachable. He'd love to have a chat with you if you'd like to. Um, we, can, we, can, we can give by direct debit. There's an offering box on the wall just out there on the left-hand side as we go out. There's going to be another one by the coffee door as well. That's going to be set up soon. Um, there's a QR code there. You can scan your phone, and that will give you an opportunity to give. There, there are all these different ways that we can give. In the same way, we can... We can um, we can get uh, the church bank details set up on our, on our phones if we're into internet banking. But there are lots of different ways. If we complete a gift aid form, then immediately, if you're a UK taxpayer, your 10% tithe becomes a 12.5% tithe. Brilliant. Fantastic. That makes such a difference. And if, if, we, can, if we can redress some of, those, some of those numbers, get that balance so we're not as reliant on a small number of people, but instead the, the responsibility is spread across the board, then actually, as a church, we'll be in a much healthier place very, very quickly. And we can really kick on with the different mission opportunities, the different outreach opportunities that we've got in our local area. We can really do something. Just to finish up this morning... I just want to take us right back to the beginning of this series. The passage we looked at right at the beginning of this series, it came from, from Matthew chapter 12, and it was, it was the widow's might, the widow's offering. And we remember, didn't we, the, Jesus watching as the, um, the crowd walked past, rich people throwing in Coin after coin, I spoke about the noise of, of someone winning the jackpot in a fruit machine, the dunk, 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 and as the pound coins fall, 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 and, and likened it to, to the, 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 the rich walking past the offering pots outside the temple and, and pouring in and listening to the, the, the noise of the coins falling, and people looked around because it was a loud noise, and Jesus is sitting there with his, his disciples, and suddenly this, this, this lady walks past a, a poor widow, and she gets these two tiny coins, these two copper coins, and she, she drops them in to the pot and if you listen really carefully you could hear the echo of the chink as I hit the bottom 
Most people would have missed the noise, but Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't miss the noise. And we must remember the echo of the widow's coins as they fell in. Because tithing is, is, a, is, a, is a biblical precedent. It's something that God asks, asks us to do. But I'm setting us a challenge today, and I'm really excited about this. Because I believe that actually the, 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 the financial state we're in at the moment, which, which has got a fairly bleak outlook... Actually, we've got a God who loves to give, a a God who loves to bless. And I believe that actually if we go just a tiny bit above and beyond what he asks us to do, then he's going to pour out massive blessings. And there is a way that we can all do that without it costing us any more. And this is the moment. If anyone's sitting there thinking, why is there a table with a white sheet on it over there? Well, there is a reason. You see, the widow's might got me thinking. It got me thinking about a city and how actually there was probably quite a lot of widows in the city. There's probably quite a lot of widows knocking around and and we only hear about one, but actually I bet that if Jesus and his disciples sat there for, for several days, they would have seen a large number of widows walk into the temple And if they'd listened carefully, each time they would have heard the echo as as the the one or two tiny little coins, the the mites, as some translations call it, dropped into the pot. And actually, as that amount accumulated, it's no longer a mite. Actually, the widows, as a collective, were probably big givers. But they didn't realise it because they all just gave tiny amounts. It wasn't wasn't a one-off huge donation pouring in a bucket of silver, no. But bit by bit, they made a huge difference to the temple. And we can do exactly the same. So I want us to get into a mindset. A mindset that says, well, every now and then I'm prepared to be sacrificial. Every now and then, when I'm I'm pursuing one of life's little luxuries that we all enjoy from time to time, every now and then I'm going to be sacrificial. And instead of giving to myself... Without, instead, of, instead, of, instead of spending on myself, I'm going to sacrifice that little luxury, and instead I'm going to take that money and give it to God. I was going to spend it anyway, so it's not costing me any extra. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> we're uh, we're going to have, I think, a calculator up on screen. So, I'm going to shout out some numbers, and Helen's going to plug them in, and we're going to see where we get to, because this is just a visual demonstration of what we can do. Now... I used to work with um, several people who, on their way into the office every day, would nip by um, Costa or Starbucks or somewhere and grab a coffee. Okay, so every day they'd do that. So coffee, I've guessed, is £2.50 for a takeaway coffee. Some, some are more, some are less. Just say £2.50. What if, what if we were to say, okay, well, one day a week, so one day in every five, instead of buying that coffee, I'm going to go without I'm going to slum it and have a, an instant coffee at work or, or, or something else, maybe even a cup of tea, who knows. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And that £2.50 that I normally always give to, give to the coffee provider, instead I'm going to give to God. I'm going to get my phone out and I'm going to go onto the, um, the bank account straight away, here and now, outside the coffee shop, £2.50 to God. Bang, go. Or it might be that I'm going to take that cash, that £2.50 cash, I'm going to take it out of this pocket, put it in this pocket. Or I'm going to put it in my bag, I'm going to put it in an envelope, and when I get to church on Sunday, I'm going to drop it in there. £2.50. It's not a massive amount. But if I do that every, every week over the course of a year, say I'm working for 48 weeks, £2.50 times 48, please. 120. £120. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's better. That's better. 
There's about, um, I don't know, between 150 and 200 people in this room right now. Let's, let's call it 150 for argument's sake. Let's, let's, um, let's go low. Okay? And maybe if 100 of us did that, we do 100 times, then suddenly, over the course of a year, 12,000 pounds. That's suddenly a big number. Suddenly, the widow's mite is no longer a mite. Or what if um, it's not, I, I don't know your living habits, you, you might not ever get a takeaway coffee, in which case there'll be other things you can apply it to, but another example I've got. Um, so you get a takeaway once a month. It might be a Chinese, a Thai, an Indian. Normally an Indian for me, I have to admit. Love it. But, but what if I was to say, well, at my, my local takeaway, it's about four quid for, um, for a rice. Okay? Um, four pounds for a pot of rice. Very nice. What if actually I was to think, well, I can go to my local supermarket and get a, a pouch of, microwaveable pouch of rice, 35p. Or if you've got expensive tastes, like some members of my household, 95p. So let's call that a £3 saving. Okay, so I'm going to take that three pounds, I'm going to bung that in the microwave, and while I'm doing that, I'll get my phone out, or i get the envelope, and I'll put the three pounds into the church bank account, whether it's into the envelope to go into the box on Sunday, or whether it's there and then, bish, bash, bosh, three pounds, there you go, gone. If I do that every month for a year, three times 12, yep, there we go, 36 pounds. If, say, 80 of us do that, We've got almost £3,000 there and then, just for having one nice rice instead of another nice rice. This one's probably healthier. Or what about if we're at a restaurant? We're at a restaurant, we've had a meal together. There's, there's I don't know, say four of us gone out for a meal. And you get to desserts. And you're sitting there around the table and you think, well, I was going to have the sticky toffee pudding, you were going to have the, the pavlova, but see what, let's be sacrificial. Let's bring God into this meal. After all, he gave it to us. Let's, let's, let's bring him into it. So why don't you all come back to my house and I've, I've gone to Sainsbury's, right? Bakewell Tart, I've bought that, £3.60. So desserts, let's call it £6 a dessert. That's not unreasonable in a lot of restaurants. Take that as an average, £6. So £6 times four, we would have spent £24 on dessert. Instead, we've spent £3.60 on dessert. So, take the £3.60 off there. We're not spending anything more than we would have spent already. But instead, straight away, we can go and put £20.40 into the envelope to go into the box on Sunday or into the phone, straight into the account. Collectively, we can all do that. And if we were to do that once a month, say, say um, I don't know, let's times that by 30. Again, We've got a significant amount of money. You see, the 30, 35,000 pound deficit that we were talking about, hopefully a lot of that will be taken care of um, when, when, we, when we all start, start to address tithing, when we all start on that journey to getting to the point where God wants us to be with our money. But on top of that, on top of that, the really exciting thing is that, that without, without spending very much these tiny amounts, we can make such a difference 
We can make such a difference to the finances of the church. And of course, the finances of the church, please don't think for one minute that it's, um, that it, um, it's still all given to the, to the priests. It is not. <laughs> it is not. It's given to the church because the church then uses it to reach out to people, to run different events and activities, being able to serve our community. We can do this. We've got the potential in this very room to make such a difference. And the reason we're not at the moment is because we don't like talking about money. We don't like preaching about money. No minister likes standing in front of his congregation and saying, we need more, we need more. It feels awful, I can tell you right now, but it doesn't because I know that it's a godly precedent and I know that that giving leads to blessing. I believe that. I believe we can do something amazing here. I really believe in that. And so as we come to this, the end of this series, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be 10 years or more before we talk about money again. Money is not going to be something that we're ashamed to talk about. When we have a need, when we have um, a need within the church, within the community, within the world, we're going to talk about it. We're going to do something about it. We're going to turn money into a tool that God gives, gives us so that we can then give to him to be used, to be blessed, to be empowered. Some people say that money makes the world go round. Well, I believe God makes the world go round. I believe God makes the world go round, but I believe that actually money's got a lot to do with the way that the world is set up at the moment. If we refuse to acknowledge that, if we refuse to to allow God into our money, if we refuse to look at what what Scripture says and, and then to do something about it, then we're denying an opportunity for God to use us to make a difference to the world. We don't want to do that. We want to be game changers for God. In a few months' time, I want to come back to this. I've asked, the, uh, I've asked Steve, the treasurer, if he can somehow just have a very rough idea of, of the small donations and the difference that's being made. And I want to come back to this. And I want to put sh- slides up that demonstrate the response of the church to today's sermon, to this message. And my heart, my, my, I'm absolutely convinced that we're going to look at those figures and cheer and celebrate and applaud. There's going to be tears when we recognize the difference that we can make as a body of God's people when we step out in faith, when we're sacrificial, when we are prepared to to give a little bit more to God and to honor him. I'm excited about doing that. I'm going to do it in the summer at some point, June, July time. Give us a a few months to pick up a little bit of momentum and then suddenly see the difference that we're making. This is exciting. This is an opportunity. This is not a stick with which we're beating around the head. This is God saying, hey, test me. What he said in the book of Malachi, test me on this. Come on, you wait and see what I'm going to do, but you've got to test me. Let's test God. Let's do it. We up for that? Yes. Yes. I am. I'm excited. This is an opportunity. This is a line in the sand. A moment we will look back on as a church and say, how great is our God. Let's pray. Father God, you are so generous. You are so loving. You are so deserving of our worship and our praise and our our love. 
But Lord, you're also deserving of receiving back from us some of the blessings that you give to us in the first place. Father, I pray that this message this morning has been in line with with your heart. Father, I pray that this has not come across as a as an assault on people. I pray that this has come across as from, from a heart of love and a recognition that, that you want us to grow. You want us not to be looking at a bleak and empty future, but instead to be looking at, at that graph turned to the complete opposite so that it's growing and growing and growing. We can be giving and doing more and blessing others. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for the people that you've brought to NCBC. Father, I thank you for each and every one of them. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless us as we seek, as we seek to give to you, to honor you, to build your kingdom brick by brick, tiny coin by tiny coin. Lord, we can do this because in you all things are possible. So, Father, bless us, we pray, and use us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Let's worship together. Thank mm-hmm. you.
Mm-hmm.